Well, good morning, Pitts Baptist Church family. Man, what a treat, what a joy, what a delight it is to be here and share with you today. I appreciate so much your pastor's invitation for asking me to be one of the individuals who would come and stand in the pulpit where he stands each week and preaches the Word of God. Uh, Gloria and I are uh, in, in a different church each Sunday and others even through the week at times. We live in Cary, North Carolina, where the Baptist State Convention offices uh, are. And all of those things you just saw on that video are things that are parts of the ministries that you are a part of as North Carolina Baptist and as Southern Baptist. I didn't prepare that video. Your church did that, and I'm grateful. What a great introduction for me to stand here and share with you. I had text communications with Brother Scott yesterday. You may be looking forward to him coming back, but let me tell you, he's looking forward to be standing back in this pulpit also because he loves you so much and he misses you. He is such a great pastor. You have such a great staff at this church and people from this church who do serve on our board of directors. Now, Scott's affectionate title for me is his chauffeur. Some of you probably heard him tell stories about that because at times when he and I were both uh, in Nashville, Tennessee for uh, Southern Baptist Convention meetings, uh, Gloria and I usually drive to Nashville because we're stopping at churches along the way, but Scott will leave from here and catch a plane and fly to Nashville. And so because I have a car, I go out to the hotel where he's standing and pick him up and bring him to the meetings there. So he refers to me as his chauffeur. And I wear that title proudly. Uh, thank you uh, for being a church with such a heart for missions. You, I, I honestly, you think I'm just saying this, but when I think of Pitts Baptist Church, I resonate with what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, writing to the church at Philippi when he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you for your fellowship or your partnership in the gospel. And I don't say this in a lot of churches, but I do say to you, Pitts Baptist Church is honestly one of my favorite churches in this state convention. We have 4,300 churches that are affiliated as member churches of the Baptist State Convention. And Gloria and I, as I said, are in the different ones all the time. And, and there are some that I, 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 I of them, I'm, I'm grateful for all of them, but some are just special. And this church is one that I always have fondness in my heart. Uh, Jonathan, thank you and the choir and the musicians for leading us in a beautiful, beautiful time of worship this morning as it was just so evident that God has made his presence known here this morning already. I stood there with tears on my face as we were singing those songs, giving praise unto God. Thank you for your heart for missions. Uh, you, you support missions through the cooperative program. Last year you gave over 106000 I think it's $106,672 for supporting missions through the cooperative program that enables you to support missions not only here in North Carolina but across North America and in countries around the world and so I thank you 
on behalf of the presidents of our seminaries. I thank you on behalf of the presidents of our mission boards and, and our SBC entities because you have a part in doing that and you support missions through the cooperative program very well. Uh, this past year, you gave for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions, you gave uh, over $81,000 for that. For the North American uh, Annie Armstrong offering that we take during the, the Easter season, you gave around $47,000 plus to support that offering. And then the North Carolina missions offering that was just mentioned on the screen, you supported that with over $5,000 as a gift last year from your church family. So in addition to your prayers, in addition to your involvement, you are supporting things financially that are furthering the work of the kingdom of God. The little brochure that um, was mentioned a few moments ago uh, is in your handout there. You can use that just to read about some other ministries uh, of the Baptist State Convention, things that are going on. If you like to reflect on financially what Southern Baptist in North Carolina did last year, there's information about that. My email address is in there if you want to email me along with the executive leadership team. But I thank you for who you are and all you mean to advancing the kingdom of God here on earth. This morning, I do want you to know that the strategy for the convention is in here. It's called impacting lostness through disciple making. And I want to touch on that this morning in disciple making and evangelism and the heart of the message. I'm going to be preaching a message this morning entitled Building Faith-Filled Families. And I'm going to let you know that I'm preaching to the families this morning. But I especially want parents and grandparents to pay close attention to what I'm going to be sharing with you as I'm going to be reading from Joshua chapter 24 in a few moments, verses 14 through 16, and then later over in the message, we're going to read some verses from Psalm 78. But the, the, the title, as I've said, is Building Faith-Filled Families. And so take your Bibles or turn in your cell phone or however you, you can watch on the screen, and let's look at Joshua chapter 24 beginning with verse 14. Would you stand for the reading of the Word of God? Understand that this passage of Scripture here in Joshua 24, as he begins to, to share with the people, if the, the book of Joshua is, is an account of Joshua's ministry of leading the children of Israel as he followed Moses' leadership. If you want to understand a similar uh, account that Moses gave. Read the book of Deuteronomy as so much of it says, and Moses said unto the people, and then it comes down in the book of Deuteronomy to the end of Moses' life. And here in the book of Joshua, as he talks with them about going into the promised land, he comes down in chapter 24 and, and talks about them renewing the covenant with God. And he comes down in verse 14 and he tells them, you need to choose who you are going to serve. Verse 14, Joshua 24. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. 
And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And this next verse, is the, this phrase is the key to the message this morning. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You may be seated. Joshua, as I just said, was the man who succeeded Moses as the leader of God's people. And when he came down to the end of his ministry and as he was giving a last proclamation to the children of Israel, he, he assembled the Hebrew families and, and he proclaimed this challenge, choose this day who you're going to serve. But then he said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will it be okay with you? If I just talk with you about your family relationships and responsibilities this morning. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to share some things with you this morning. If uh, we use a term from, from the farm, well, farming life, it's called plowing close to the corn. Uh, some of you are going to feel like Milton. You, you're getting kind of personal. And, and you're making me feel uncomfortable about what you're saying today, but I want to tell you something. Uh, why is there a need for me to talk about the family today? When I read the statistical information about the number of children, some of them who even grow up in church, and when they grow up and move and go away from home, whether to go into college or go into a vocation or something, many of them drop out of church. For many of them, they don't come back at all. Others come back some years later. When I look at statistics that Southern Baptist Convention publishes, and even if I look at our records in our own state convention, it troubles me as I see a diminishing number of young people who have, who have followed the Lord in believers' baptism. That's why there is a need. But I want to tell you something that is going to surprise and shock you in relationship to families. Things are not like they used to be in family life. As you're looking on the screen there, you see a, a picture of uh, some TV programs that came out of our past. And uh, can anyone remember <coughs> these programs like uh, the upper left-hand corner, Ozzy and Harriet, and then to the lower uh, left side, the, the uh, Leave it to Beaver uh, family. And then over to the right, as the name mentions there, the Waltons. We watched those programs, and boy, how nice it seemed. They had good moral values in them and things. But boy, I don't even want to start naming some of the, the way the family is represented in TV programs today. There was a time when families, they worked together, they ate together, 
How difficult is it for us to even get together for a meal as a family? They played together, and some of them prayed together. Oftentimes they lived in houses with porches where families spent time together after the supper meal, as they called it, and they would sit out on the porch and and the parents, and at times in those days, even the grandparents were living with the family. And the grandparents and the parents were able to hand down traditions to the children as they kids would sit and listen to the conversations and things that they talked about. And the parents and grandparents had an opportunity to have a strong influence, a positive influence in the life of their children. Some of you even became a follower of Jesus because your parents or grandparents led you to trust in Jesus as Savior. <coughs> Excuse me, but it seems in today's culture, we are so busy that if we're not careful, we end up taking very little time for family spiritual activities in our home lives. Here we go. May I ask you an important but personal question? How are you preparing your children to face the moral challenges that they are facing in today's culture? I want you to think about this. As parents and, and grandparents, we, we have designed plans to help shape our children and our grandparents children's future some of us have put away money to help educate our children and we want them to be in the best schools to get the best education opportunity and the best exposure to things that will help them in their future and we want them to get the best jobs and we want them to make a good income and there's nothing wrong with any of that but as I I think about how we are planning for their future we need to come back and ask that question, what is your plan to help your children develop into spiritual maturity? I don't have to remind you as parents and grandparents that the culture that your children and grandchildren are living in today is very different from what you and I grew up in. And we've got to help prepare our children as they live out there in that culture. And that means through gospel conversations, we help them to understand the need to accept Christ as their Savior, and we can even lead them into that relationship of trusting in Jesus for forgiveness of their sin and accepting his gift of eternal life. But we don't just stop with that. We help them grow spiritually in that relationship with Christ. God desires that our marriage and family relationships will be lived out in accordance with the blueprint that he has given to us in his holy, inspired, inerrant word. In Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 16, Joshua is making a declaration about the most important foundational unit of a nation in that day and also in our nation today. The basic 
unit of this nation is not our government. It is the family. As marriages are strengthened in Christ, it helps the children. When families are made stronger through their obedience to God's word, our churches will be stronger. And when our churches are vital and healthy, God can use us in impacting our communities and cities for his glory. In order for that to happen, Christian families in the local church must step up and lead the way. Let me share two principles that I suggest to you from these Bible verses that will help us build strong families and provide our children with a solid foundation on which to build their life. Now, my sermon has two points in it. Not ten points like Scott's. Two points, okay? <laughs> I looked at the back wall for a, for a clock. I sometimes get nervous in churches when I stand up to preach if I don't see a clock in the back because I'm afraid there might be a trap door under the pulpit here. You know, <laughs> Scott must have done away with that. He, but don't you love how God uses him to teach the word? Here's the first truth. Develop strong spiritual leadership for your family. Joshua began by saying, as for me. Joshua made a strong declaration to the people of Israel who he and his family would serve. In Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6 of the New Testament, you can read those, and I would challenge you to read them later today or this week, Ephesians 5 and 6. It was God's intention that was husbands and fathers should love their wife and children and exhibit spiritual leadership. Men, can I remind you how we are able to do this? Let me tell you some things you can do for personal spiritual growth. Now, let me be quick to say that I've said men, but this also applies to mothers too. Spend time along with God in consistent daily fellowship with Him. It is important for you all to, to be together and read the Bible and pray together as a family, but you also need to have time along with God where you can have intimate fellowship with God and God will reveal things to you. It's interesting to me how God speaks to me at times when it's just He and I in fellowship, communing together, and I'm reading His Word or I'm reading some devotions that focus on His Word and God just impresses things upon my heart. God will encourage you if you'll take time to have intimate fellowship with Him. So spend time with Him, read His Word, and pray. Dads, ask God to give you wisdom and strength to be a good example before your family. And I know that's a challenge. Our families see us and know us like people outside the home don't know us. And so ask God to give you the strength to not say something that you should not say, to not fly off the handle and get angry that displays it. It's, it's not wrong to get angry, but it, we must manage our anger when we are angry about something. Another good thing, men, 
is get with some other men in the church and help each other to grow in your walk with the Lord. As I saw this men's conference on the front of your communique today, I would say, men, take time to get a, with, go on a conference like that with other men or retreat like that where you're having fun, where you're studying the Word of God together. And let me tell you, it's a great opportunity to take your son with you, to let him see how men can serve God together and it's not it's not that wrong with it and, and they don't have to be something that a, that a son would not be proud of. But get them in that kind of environment. Lead your family to be followers of Christ. As Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, bring your children up in the nurturing admonition of the Lord. Dads and moms, do that together. Bring your children up and nurture them in the admonition or the training or the teaching of the Word of God. Spend quality time, moms and dads. Spend quality time, dads, with your wife and children. Moms and dads need to spend time together. You need date nights. You need the opportunity to go enjoy each other and continue to cultivate the romance that you have with each other. And, and let me tell you something, guys. Your kids ought to know that you love their mother. Amen. Don't be ashamed of that. There's nothing wrong with your children seeing you kiss your wife. Let me say, men, what I have observed in my, my time in life and lessons of life and in ministry as the preacher of the gospel, we set an example before our children in the way we treat women, in the way we treat our wife. Teach them respect. Spend quality time as a family. Grow spiritually together through Bible reading and discussions. Pray together and minister to others together. Also take time to do fun and enjoyable things with your family. Kids need to have fun with mom and dad. Spend time that you enjoy doing things together. Because I want to I ask you this, moms and dads. How do you want your family to remember you when the kids are grown and even when you're gone? How do you want them to remember you? Well, let me give you my own personal testimony about that. In my family heritage, uh, a strong allegiance to God uh, has been passed down from one generation to the next I remember my father, who's now with the Lord, I remember him telling how that when he was 10 years of age that he lost his mother. She had a lengthy illness and she, she died. But, and she was at early age. But, but I remember dad saying that one of the last conversations he had with his mother, and his dad was a, was a great Christian man too, but uh, his mother called her sons in. She had three little boys. Dad was the oldest, 10 years of age. And dad so vividly remembered it. He said, I remember when my mom said to me, son, I want you to promise me that you'll meet me in heaven. She knew she was going to die. And my dad said, he replied to her, mama, mama, I will. I'll meet you in heaven. 
And she said to him, son, those are the sweetest words I've ever heard you say. I remember my dad talking about his grandfather. When dad was just a boy like four and five years of age, that his grandfather would, would use a stump for an altar when they would be out in the yards. They lived up in the mountains of western North Carolina. And, and his grandfather would put his hands on my father's head and he would pray, oh God, I want you to make a preacher out of this boy. God honored that prayer. My dad was a preacher of the gospel for more than 60 years of his life. And he was passing it down from one generation to the next. And I remember my dad's influence and my life he died four years ago and mom died a year ago in september but i remember when my sisters and my brother and i were young that every day our parents took the opportunity to set us down and read the word of god to us and every day they prayed with us and they taught us to pray because they were exhibiting spiritual leadership in the home that first point, develop strong spiritual leadership for your family. Now, there's one more principle here in Joshua 24, 15 to help us, and here's that second truth. Family members must declare their allegiance to God as Lord of your home. Joshua was able to say because he knew his family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to challenge children in the family here this morning, whether you're a teenager or whether you're six years of age or whether you're 20 years of age, that you would say to a Christian dad, if you are blessed enough, to have a Christian mom and dad that you would make a commitment to them, I will follow your spiritual leadership. You say, but oh, the culture we live in today, let me say also to remind us that strong beliefs were present in the people living all around the Israelites in the days that Joshua proclaimed these things. And it was not popular in the land where they were living at that time to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Joshua declared that he and his family would serve the only true and living God. We will serve the Lord. Now, if your neighborhood is like many others in North Carolina, some of your neighbors may have no allegiance to God or respect him I hope you'll pray for them I hope you'll love them I hope you'll try to reach out to them and help them to come to know that there is a God who loves them because there's so many of them who've never had anyone to tell them that God loves them and has a plan for their life Joshua's family had an agenda they felt that if everyone else chose to live in disobedience to the commands of God, they were going to serve the only true and living God. Now, my friends, we're going to look at another passage of Scripture right here because 
God tells us that we are to pass the teachings of God from one generation to the next. I want to show you what I discovered in the Bible. It's God's admonition from Psalm 78. It'll be on the screen, but if you want to turn over there to, to the book of Psalms, chapter 78. Some of you may have never seen this before, even though you've read the Psalms. It just didn't stand out to you. Psalm 78, beginning reading with verse 3, or actually the latter part of verse 2, I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. You hear that? Things that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children but we will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. My brothers and sisters, that's a command from God that we'll tell the coming generation. And look what he says, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel when he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn, those who would be born, that they would be told so they would not forget the works of God. Verse 7 says, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. I, I wish you had earmarked that, that place in your Bible where Psalm 78 verses 3 through 7 would call, man, it's a challenge to me that I have the responsibility to pass from my generation what our fathers passed down to us that we pass to the next generation. Over in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, the scripture says, you shall teach these truths diligently to your children. Why? Parents, I am confident because most of you in here this morning are followers of Christ and you love God and you love your children and you want your children to follow Christ with you. I am confident that you do not want your children to be influenced by a growing culture that does not recognize Jesus as Lord more than they are influenced by you and your belief system. I'm confident that's true about you. But look at this statement on the screen now. Here's something that I really believe. Either we will influence our children through the gospel or this pagan culture that is becoming more hostile toward Christianity will convince them of their false beliefs. Parents, what will it be for your children? Children? You know, I asked you a while ago if you tell your dad and mom that I will follow your spiritual leadership, will you do that? Parents, what will it be in your responsibility for your children? I, I, I preach with a broken heart what I share with you this morning because I don't want us to lose the next generation or the generation after that, but it'll happen so quickly 
if we don't pass the torch to the next generation? Do your children know? Do they know that you're a follower of Christ? I, I, it's good that you're here in church. I thank God for that, and I want you to come. I want you to be in the activities of the church. But do your children know that you're a follower of Christ on times other than on Sundays? Do they see? I, I ask you these questions in love of my heart. Do they see Christian virtues manifested in your life? Do they know that you spend time reading the Word of God? Do they believe that prayer and fellowship with God is important to you? I remember one day, Gloria and I were visiting at our son and daughter-in-law's home, and the two little grandsons were there, and, and one of my Bibles was lying on the table. And Gloria said to the boys, boys, do you know what, what that book is? And one of them responded by saying, they called me Poppy. They said it's Poppy's favorite book. I thought, that, was, that thrilled me. That thrilled me so much that they saw that. Do you consistently, maybe you'd say my kids are not, following Christ they're not they've never accepted Christ as Savior or maybe they accepted Christ but they're not growing spiritually so I ask you do you consistently pray for their spiritual salvation or their spiritual development oh 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 there is so much power in consistent prayer I can remember prayers that I prayed for our son glory and I have only one son and he's 42 years of age now and grown with his family but I can remember prayers that I prayed for him when he was just an infant when I would hold him in my arms and I, I remember I would pray at times as I would hold him in my arms and pray that God I want you to help him to trust in you as, you, as his savior early in life so that he can be spared from some of the things that he might get into if he's not following you but I also pray this, Father, I want you to help him when he grows up that he will find a wife and choose a wife who will love you and serve you alongside of him. Fast forward 25 years. I was standing on the platform of a church in Asheville, North Carolina, ready to perform a wedding ceremony. It was my son's wedding. He was standing to my left and the groomsmen and the bridesmaids were there and then as the door opened in the back of the church for the bridal procession as this beautiful young lady started down the aisle I looked and she was holding on to the arm of her dad who had raised his children in Tokyo Japan because he was a southern Baptist missionary and I started weeping, and people were probably thinking, Milton's pretty emotional about this wedding. It wasn't that. Because as I was standing there looking at her coming down the aisle, the Spirit quickened me. And I sensed God saying to me, Milton, today I've answered a prayer that you prayed 25 years ago. Don't give up on praying for those children. Milton, I've prayed and it seems that nothing happened. Don't give up. Keep on praying. I remember a woman in the church that I pastored who said to me 
One day, Brother Milton, I prayed for 50 years for my son's salvation. I said, just keep on praying. And you know what? Before God called her home to heaven, that son accepted Christ as his Savior. There is great power in consistent prayer. Grandparents, it is also your responsibility to help your children and grandchildren come to faith in Christ and develop spiritually. It could be that your children, your children, their parents, are not in church and not serving the Lord. Well, well don't you vacate your own responsibility if somebody else is not influencing them you have the influence on them and continue to pray for their parents Gloria and I are discipling our two grandsons and I'm thankful that my son and daughter-in-law they are discipling those kids and and it amazes me sometimes the knowledge that those those boys have about the word of God in Proverbs 22 6 there's a promise there, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That refers to intensive training. Do it at mealtimes. Talk and pray with them at bedtime. Discuss things that they are hearing at school and what they're watching on television and, and teach them what is right or wrong about this and Teach them how to forgive others. Teach them to confess sin and repent. Teach them how to respect others and love others in spite of differences and disagreements. I was glad to hear about a conference that you're going to be hearing about tonight. Monitor and govern their internet use. Warn them about internet prowlers. Look at this statement. On the screen, within the Christian community, the main link between what this generation knows and what the next generation will know is the link between parent and child. Oh, what a blessing it can be if we'll do what God wants us to do. Because we must pass the torch of following Christ to the next generation and help them develop spiritually. But let me tell you this, when we do, broken hearts can be healed, ruined lives can be salvaged, guilty consciences can be cleansed, and relationships can be restored because of the power of the gospel. And so I say to you, the future for your children and your grandchildren can be radically different if you'll lead them to pursue God's plan for their life. I'm about finished. You never know what God will do through your children or grandchildren when you lead them to pursue God's plan for their life. You thought about this? Who will lead your children to faith in Christ if you do not? Who will help them grow spiritually if you do not? Well, that's why we take them to the church, Milton. Oh, I'm glad you do. I'm glad for what the staff has, but they have just a small portion of time here. But they live in your home with you. Are you taking time to invest in their spiritual development? 
in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, the scripture says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Could I, could I adjust the wording in that just a bit to make a personal application for me and for you? What if it's, it's there? What is a man or a woman profited if they should gain the whole world, if they should gain a lot of wealth, if they should gain a lot of popularity, if they should meet all of their personal goals in life, yet lose their children. What would a person give in exchange for their family? So I put a picture up on the screen for you of an individual. You recognize that person? That's Mr. Truett Cathy, Chick-fil-A. He died September the 8th, 2014, at the age of 93. He was founder and chairman emeritus of Chick-fil-A restaurants. He was also a Southern Baptist churchman known for his commitment to his 1,800 restaurants. When I've talked about taking time to disciple your kids, maybe, surely, surely you're not thinking it. I don't have time. Truett Cathy had 1,800 restaurants in 40 states. During that time, he taught 8th grade boys Sunday school class for 52 years of his life. And he reinvested in his own children. He was a strong, positive Christian influence with his own children. And his children share his commitment to Christ. His life verse was from Proverbs 22:1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Let me close with a couple of questions. Did God place this message? I could have numerous messages. I could stood here and preach to you about missions today. But my assistant was asking me, Milton, where are you going to preach there at the church? I said, I believe God is wanting me to preach to the family. Did God place this message upon my heart for some particular family members who are here today? What will you do today or this week? Now, we're going to have the hymn of invitation or the song of invitation. and Staff will be here at the front to receive you, but let's do the invitation in this way. The altar will be open this morning. and I mean, some of you just need to come down here and get on your knees before God and say, God, I've, I've been absent without leave of my responsibilities. Or, God, I want to be a better influence. And I want to come. Maybe there's some kids here today. And your mom and dad's been trying to lead you to accept Christ as your Savior. Maybe today would be the time that you would say, look at them and say, today I want to make my commitment to Christ.
Will you go with me? And come down here to the front. Maybe some of you just want to get your children, husband and wife, and come together and kneel here at the altar and say, God, we want to, we want to recommit our lives and our family to you because we need you so much, God. And we want to come today and make that commitment to you. Maybe someone knows that God's leading you to become a part of this church fellowship. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. The altar will be open for you to come and pray or come to talk with one of the staff members here. Will you stand as we sing? Father, in this time of invitation, I pray, O oh Lord, that your spirit, who has been at work this morning here in this service, from the beginning of the service, God, you have been answering prayers that people have been praying for this service now. And I, I ask, oh God, that you would let individuals know that this is God's day for you. He's been working here today. And help them to know that it is you but your spirit impressing upon them that they need to make some decision today. Lord, if it's for salvation, if it's for recommitment, if it's someone who would say that I've accepted Christ, but I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, and so today I'm going to come and tell the church that I, I want to get ready and make preparations because I want to be obedient to Christ and follow his example through baptism. Lord, for families that might want to come and kneel here together, I pray that you'd speak to them today. Have your way during this time, O oh God. We wait upon you by your spirit. Do your work in our hearts this day. We pray in Christ's name.